Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. Uh, a little warm outside. It's pretty comfortable in here, right? Uh, especially welcome you if you're a first time. Uh, just let you know, we'll let you out about, about noon. So uh, kind of give you some idea how long I'm going to talk. Um, good Sunday to be here. We're starting a new series. We usually talk about a topic for several weeks in a row. And so we're starting a new one today. It's called Grace, Too Good to Be True. No, Grace is True. And as I said last week, I believe, this is my favorite topic, all right? Uh, uh, any topic I can talk about or teach about, this is my favorite topic. So it's been about two years since we did one of these series, so I thought it was about time we did it again. <clears throat> so especially glad that you're here. I want to start off with a question. When you hear the word God, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Either a picture or a feeling or a personality trait of God, uh, just in your mind, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think God? All right, everybody got something in their mind? All right, let me tell you what the number one response is if I ask the crowd, you know, in pub, out in the public. The number one response you would get back is this. <clears throat> Condemnation. When people think God, the first thing that comes to mind, majority of people, or majority answer, is condemnation. Now, <clears throat> Do you know people that are condemning type people? Are there people like to hang out with? Oh, I just love hanging out with so-and-so. They condemn me all the time. Uh, of course not. Of course not. So it makes sense that a lot of people out there are avoiding God and or church because who wants to be condemned? That's no fun. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to suggest to you that the, the word that should come to mind, the personality trait, if you will, of God that should come to mind First is grace. Now, you might argue it should be love or something else. You'd be wrong, but anyway, you can be wrong if you want to be. Uh, it should be grace. And as we're going to see in this series, the word that best personifies God is grace. It just is. He can't do anything else, be anything else, but grace. Besides, if we talk about being Jesus' followers, do you want to follow somebody that's condemning? Now, there's a Bible verse that says if you're in Christ Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, there is no zero condemnation. Uh, doesn't stop people from feeling that way, but that's the truth. There is no condemnation. So I believe grace is God's preeminent quality, preeminent personality trait. Now, now, grace is one of these weird things. We have a real hard time grasping. And it's really fascinating to me because when I am the recipient of grace, when somebody's gracious to me, ah, it feels so good, so refreshing, I love it. But when I have to be the distributor of grace, ah, I don't like it so much. It's disturbing. They're getting away with something. It's not fair. Isn't it strange? Same, same quality. If I'm receiving it, I love it. If I'm not, if I have to give it out, it's not so pleasing. Now, unfortunately... The gravitational pull of people, believers or unbelievers, people aren't Jesus followers, as well as churches is toward gracelessness. Or some people would say legalism or the law. That's the natural pull. So you and I and the church needs to fight against that and stand up for and be reminded of grace as the predominant quality. <clears throat> In fact, if you read the uh, Gospels, read about Jesus, 
It's interesting, about the only thing that got Jesus upset 100% of the time, and it wasn't this sin or that sin, it was ungraceless religion. It was exemplified by the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees? And Jesus and the Pharisees just bumped head constantly because Jesus was about grace and they were about gracelessness. By the way, the opposite of grace is not law. The opposite of grace is no grace or gracelessness. Um, and grace can be best understood or only can be understood in the context of relationships. I don't know, maybe it could be graceless to things. I don't know. I can't understand that. But grace involves relationships. And life's about relationships. Relationship with the other as well as relationship with God. So we're going to start in the beginning and look at grace. We got it corrected this time. <laughs> uh, and uh, see how it all started. All right? So I want to start with this question. Why did God create anything? So if you're God, if I'm God... I existed forever. I'm all powerful. Uh, I don't know what I have at this point. Maybe it's just, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit hanging out. Maybe there's the angel, whatever. So why did God decide to create the universe? Did he have to? Some people say he was lonely. Now, that's a little sacrilegious, I think, to say that God was lacking and he needed us so he wouldn't be lonely. I don't think that's the God I want to worship. So he decides to create the universe. All right? And even scientists say at once upon a time there was nothing. Now, they don't all say it was God, but they said, you know, it was a, all of a sudden there was stuff. There was a big bang or whatever. <clears throat> so God, we, most of us here would believe. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, we're glad that you're still here. Um, we believe that God, over a period of days or years or whatever, thousands of years, he created the universe, all right? And uh, consequently, he created the potential for you and I to exist, right? If he hadn't, you and I, none of us would ever have been here. And so the only answer to that question, why, is because of grace. I don't know any other reason. And so he creates the universe, he molds it like a potter, he, de he designs it and makes it this amazing universe that we get to be a part of. So we're going to pick up the story uh, on day five or the fifth installment of the story. It's in Genesis 1, it's the beginning of the Bible, in chap uh, verse 25. And this is written, we believe, by Moses, you know, not at the beginning, but he's relaying to the Israelites what kind of God they're supposed to be worshiping. So God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind so they could continue. And God saw it was good. Now, each day or each segment of time, he says it was good. You know, stars, the moon, the sun, good. You know, the sea and the clouds, good, good. Gets to animals, he said it's good. Five times he says it's good. Now, <clears throat> Was it necessary for God to create all this stuff? Was it necessary for God to create it as bountiful and beautiful and attractive and appealing as it is? Some of you might like the ocean, some of you like to make the mountains, etc., etc. And so after he did all this, he said it was good. Now, what did that mean, that it was good? Was he patting himself on the back? Ah, I did a good job. You know, I was doing a, laying some tile this week and, and uh, Robin looked at it and said, ah, it looks nice, you did a good job. You know, is that what God was doing? 
Uh, maybe he made a universe before and he didn't do such a good job and he wiped it out and started over again. That doesn't fit my theology very well either. <clears throat> so what was good? Was it good for God's benefit? Did God need, need the universe to make himself complete? Nah, God didn't need, it, didn't need it. So what was good about it? And the only explanation I can come up with, it, it was good for us. Because we're going to see he's going to create us next, right? So he creates this universe good. Good for what reason? Good for us. His, we say sometimes, crown of creation, right? Next verse. Next segment of creation. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And if we're going to be like God and God is gracious, how should we be? Gracious too, right? It'll rain over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. All right, so he's, he's created this multitude of animals. Uh, why not just one animal? <laughs> or a couple of animals. So he made this huge variety of creation. But there are you know, some scientists would say not on a different level. We believe in a different level from all the rest of the animals, right? <clears throat> this is a special category. We're made in the image of God, as he's going to say in the next verse. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So whatever that entails, in a higher uh, level of understanding, a learning, <clears throat> a soul, a spirit, whatever it might mean, we are made in the image of God. None of the rest of creation is. So God creates this, <laughs> this amazing universe, and you know what he does with it? He gives it to us. He gives it to humans. He gives it to his creation. Now, what did mankind do to deserve that? What did we do? We hadn't done anything, right? It hadn't even existed. So God created all of this for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. And again, the variety. Why the variety? Why not just one kind of tree? We wouldn't know the difference, right? If there were just oak trees and no other kind of tree. But there was just one kind of flower, a rose. No other flowers. We wouldn't know the difference, right? Those of you who love flowers, love roses, would love it. If you didn't, uh, you had luck, right? And all the fruit trees, we're going to see. He's going to make all these fruit trees in the garden. Why not just one fruit? Just apples. No, no other fruit. You know. um, so all this tremendous variety. There's like thousands of varieties of beetles. I don't know who enjoys those. But anyway, God just has this, this cr tremendous creativity. Why? Why? Uh, only answer I can come up with is grace. We certainly did deserve it. How did he grace? And here's the amazing thing about grace. This is on your outline. Grace is never just enough. You know, one tree would be enough. One flower would be enough. One type of fruit would be enough. But grace is always more, far more than enough. And so this is God's pattern. We see it at the beginning. We see it in creation. God's pattern is to be gracious and abundantly gracious. Far more than enough. Far more than we need. Again, for our good, for our pleasure, for our enjoyment. But then, uh, uh, the, as you read the Bible, this kind of stra strange thing occurs in creation. As we read this verse in chapter 2, and notice in chapter 2, God's referred to as the Lord God. That means boss, okay? 
If God wasn't a strong enough word, Lord God means he's the boss of all bosses, okay? He's the head honcho. So the head honcho says, it is not good. Well, wait a minute, everything has been good up to now, right? God messed something up? God made a mistake? Uh, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him, this translation says. So a principle here is that God wants what's good for us, right? When he found something that wasn't good for us, he corrected it. He changed it. He made it good. Again, why? He could have left Adam all alone. <clears throat> why? Again, the answer I can come up with is his grace. He wanted more than enough, so he didn't want us to be alone. Now, <laughs> this creation is in the form of what? Well, he's, Adam is a male, so then he made a, in the next verse, the image of God, he created male and female. Again, why? Why don't he just create men, you know, and, and Home Depot and Lowe's and Sports Center and be in with it? Yeah, he could have done that, right? No females, or he could have just made females and shopping malls or whatever you ladies like to do. And uh, that's all, right? But he didn't do that. He created male and female, again, out of his grace. And he made male and female with a, this huge capacity for an intimacy level that we could not have otherwise. Not with the animals. And so there's a capacity of intimacy not just about sexuality, but we have no idea what sex was like before sin or what it was for Adam and Eve without shame and guilt and all the other things that are involved. But that intimacy level, connection of, of, of personalities and souls, etc. Again, Why? God's grace. So God didn't just give us enough. He gave us all these extras. And then he gave them responsibilities. He gave them purpose. And I can't imagine me sitting in the Garden of Eden with my arms crossed with nothing to do. I don't believe heaven's going to be that way either. Because that's not something to enjoy. So he gave them something to do, something to enjoy. He gave them purpose. And so he's put them in this garden. And they were supposed to take care of the garden. Again, a perfect garden. But then there is a caveat, a restriction that probably most of you know. But again, the Lord God, the boss, warned him, Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. We don't know how many they were, what type they were. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will sure to die. So we've got all these options one thing that's not an option. We've got all these responsibilities, all these things to enjoy, and one rule. One. One rule. Wouldn't you love life if we only had one rule? Wouldn't it be amazing? That's all they had. One rule. You see this tree over here? Might have been in the middle. You had to walk around it all the time. I don't know. But you just stay, avoid that tree and everything's going to be great. Well, I think human nature tells us if we were there, just like they were there, we would do what? Just can't resist it, right? That one thing, can't resist. Now the amazing thing is they, there was no guilt or shame, right? No sin, no, no guilt or shame. 
So, something we really need to remember is this. God's expressions of grace were innumerable. You, could, you, you can't add them up. You can't count them. You, you can't keep track of them all. They're just endless. But his requirements were minimal. It was one, right? One requirement. Now, the amazing thing is, most of us even in here, mostly, especially people out there, what do they think? Just the opposite, right? And God's got all these rules and regulations and restrictions and things, do's and don'ts. And uh, yeah, he's nice to me once in a while. And we can fall into that too. So it's really important to remember, again, God can't function outside of grace. He can't function outside of giving us what's good and, and more than enough. And his requirements are minimal. And this involved tremendous freedom. Do anything you want except for one thing. Amazing, amazing freedom. So I put this on your outline. Grace in its purest form, true grace, can have no strings attached. God didn't say, okay, you can be in the garden and eat all this fruit, but you can't do this, this, and this. You've got to do this, this, and this. Make sure you avoid that. And before you do this, it wasn't in all that. It wasn't. No strings attached. One restriction that was said. So that we, we see here a m- tremendous trust that God put in mankind, right? I'm trusting you with my creation. I'm trusting you to do, do everything except for this one thing. And of course, what they did. They ate from the fruit of that tree. And the horrible thing is they violated God's trust, right? He trusted them. And they proved not to be trustworthy. And when they did that, Everything changed. Even creation changed. We don't quite understand that, I don't think. Um, we were at a cookout yesterday, somebody's birthday party, and, you know, temperature was pretty comfortable. We were in shade, but, you know, flies and mosquitoes and bugs, and I'm just thinking, they weren't in the garden. They couldn't have been, right? No flies, no mosquitoes. That's part of the fall. That's part of man's, you know, the, the curse. But everything changed. But not just creation but most importantly, that relationship between us and God and actually our relationship between us and, and each other. So I put this on you. We severely, severely, severely underestimate the impact of sin because this is all we know. We don't know what a marriage and sexuality is without sin. We don't know what any relationship is without sin. We don't know what you know, the universe would look like, the world would look like without sin. We so underestimate it. In fact, we don't even like to use the word anymore. We call it mistakes. We're mistakers. So this politician gets on TV and he's cheated on his wife and he doesn't say, I sinned. He says, I made a mistake. Now, a mistake is when you trip and fall, right? It's an accident. That wasn't an accident. He deliberately did something that hurt someone else. We would label that a sin or at least something, a wrongdoing, right? Not a mistake. Not an accident. Another word we try and avoid in our society is shame. Because what happened was sin led to shame. If you read the text, um, they were afraid. They were naked and afraid afterwards. So it led to shame. But we don't like, we try to erase shame. We think shame is something bad. Shame is a good thing. If you've done something wrong, you should be ashamed. It should bring you to a place of uh, correction or repentance. 
And another weird thing that happened in the fall was <laughs> their judgment was impaired. And our judgment is impaired by sin too, isn't it? We do dumb stuff. And uh, so we picked the story up in chapter 3 after, uh, after they violated God's trust and ate from that tree. The Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, if you read the text, it says they tried to hide from God. Now, how wise is that? How smart is that? Their judgment's already impaired, right? <laughs> God sees everything. He created this garden. Where could they go in the garden when they couldn't find it? It's kind of like my grandkids trying to hide in the house, our house. It's not that hard to find them, right? Uh, God had no trouble finding them. He knew where they were. The problem was they didn't know where they were in their relationship with God and the creation and with each other. And then God says, oh, wait a minute. Did you eat from the tree? Of course, he knew they ate from the tree. And so what's Adam's reply to God? It was the woman you gave me. You gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Now, I might have been lonely, God, but I, you know, I didn't have this woman here to, you know, entice me into eating from this fruit. So ultimately, God, it was your fault, right? So on your outline, Adam blamed God for his troubles, and mankind's been blaming God ever since. Don't we do that? We don't like to accept responsibility. Something bad happens to us. We have financial problems, blame God. We have relationship problems, we blame God. Health issues, we blame God or somebody else has. You know, and worldwide issues. Uh, blame God. Now, if we get back to God is a God of grace and he can't do anything other than grace and he can't do anything. Grace means more than enough, not just enough then our thinking, our reasoning is flawed, right? Just as ours was. Now here's the important thing though. How did God respond to their shame and blame? Blame and shame. <laughs> and the answer, best answer I can come up with is grace. Because I want to go back and read a verse that we read earlier and look what it says here. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat of this fruit, you are sure to die. Did they die? Well, did they die when they ate? It may be a little blasphemous, but God kind of broke his promise, didn't he? Because in reality, as soon as they ate, they should have died. In the story. So God made the first move. He came looking for them. They didn't come looking for him. They, they went and hid. Now, if you read the story, there were some curses. And ladies, sorry, childbirth is painful. It was part of the curse, right? And relationship issues with your spouse or significant other is part of that curse of mankind. You have to work hard and sweat, and that's all part of the curse. And we read that. With, what's our reaction? Oh, that's kind of harsh, Especially ladies, I guess you would think. But they didn't die. Anything less of death was not harsh. Because that was the sentence. That was the promise. So disobedience has consequences, right? And they disobeyed, so there's consequences. Obedience leads to freedom. 
So why didn't they die right away? I might think about it this way. They were, God was buying time to implement a plan of redemption. Because he wasn't gracious. He could have zapped them, wiped them out, started over. I'll try another couple. Right? Or this is a failed experiment. I don't, I'm, not, I'm done with mankind. He didn't destroy them. He did discipline them, but he didn't destroy them. And discipline's an act of love, and we don't have time to talk about that this morning. But let me finish up with these two statements. From the very beginning, God has responded to sin, or three statements, rather, <laughs> of humanity with amazing grace. From the very beginning. And in that text, there's foreshadowed the Messiah, that, that redemption plan that we all get to benefit from. So when Jesus endured the affliction of evil and suffered the penalty of death that Adam was promised and we all deserve. So, last slide. Jesus is grace personified. You know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Next week we're going to look at maybe the worst man around and how Jesus dealt with him. And the next week, we're going to look at the best man around and how Jesus dealt with him. And most of us, I think, probably fit somewhere in between, right? So hopefully you can join us. Let's pray. We'll have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your amazing grace. Hopefully we understand a little bit better this morning than maybe even when we came in here. Uh, if we are your followers, we are to be ex- exemplify grace. And God, help us to do that. In a, especially in a graceless world that we live in. Um, and if you're not a Jesus follower, we would give you the opportunity just now to accept God's redemption plan, his gift of Jesus Christ, the paid your price who died for you so you wouldn't have to die. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for your, your great gift. In your name we pray, amen.